Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew as we continue studying the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, this is the uh, section of the the Sermon on the Mount where (laughs) Jesus is really getting into the nitty-gritty of of life and uh, touching on those those subjects that... uh, that we all struggle with. And his intention, the Lord's intention, is to transform his people into people who manifest and who live by the power of God the Holy Spirit in such a way that we bring honor to God the Father and point the way for others to find hope. And so we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through uh, 26. So let's begin at verse 21. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder And whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, You fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. 
Agree with your adversary quickly while you are on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge, the judge hand you over to the officer, and you be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. Let's pray, please. Lord, as we study your word today, we pray that you be our teacher. By your Holy Spirit, speak to us. We ask, Lord, we pray that our hearts will be open, open to your touch, to your transforming power, to your illumination, and help us to be honest with ourselves and with you. And Lord, where we're guilty, we pray that we would repent, that we would acknowledge, confess, and turn. Turn away from that sin and turn to you. Turn away from self and turn to you. Speak to us now, Lord, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. And so as we look here at the first couple of verses, the question, how healthy is your heart? Or what is the condition of, of your heart? That's uh, one of the things that the doctors always check, isn't that right? Check your heart rate, check your blood pressure, pulse, etc., etc., etc. Well, the Bible does that too, amen? God wants us to check our hearts. Now he begins this passage here in the, in the sermon by, by making a statement. You've heard it said by those of, of old. Now remember that uh, Moses is often referred to as the lawgiver. Moses, remember, was not the author of the law. All right? He was not the author. Who is the author? God is the author. Moses was the pen, so to speak. I remember a brother, Dano, I thought it was a great, uh, a great illustration. Uh, once long ago, he had spoken. We were over in the uh, meeting in the other room. And he said, you know, a CEO will give a, a, a directive, but he'll have his, uh, his secretary to type it up and send it out, right? But, but the message came from the CEO not from the secretary, although the secretary was the one who typed it up and, and emailed it to everyone. The law came from God. Moses was the secretary, if you will. You follow? Communicating to us. And, and he taught that we are not to murder. Now, also, there were teachers of the law, rabbis, as well as scribes and Pharisees. These were all <coughs> religious people who studied the law, and they, they taught the law. But notice what Jesus says here. But I say to you, but I say to you, the Lord speaking of himself, he was the one who gave the law. Understand? For he is God the Son. 
He is the authority and the divine author. Now, in this same book, just turn quickly to chapter 7 and notice verse 28. Now, that, this is where the sermon actually ends. That is the Sermon on, on the Mount. Matthew 7, verse 28 says, And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having, notice that word, authority, and not as the scribes. Because Jesus is the living word of God. Amen? So then he goes on and he begins to teach. And he says, it's been said by them of old time that you shall not murder. But he takes it a step further, doesn't he? Now, we've mentioned many times, there, there are those who say, well, you know, the Ten Commandments are a part of the law. We're not under the law. We're under grace. Failing to understand that the commandments are a part of God's grace. Understand that? God gave us the law by grace. And over in the New Testament, there are an additional, some say, 20 plus more new commandments. And the greatest commandment of all is to love, right? We're to love God and to love one another. Now, in some translations, some versions, you have the word kill in the uh, over in, uh, in Exodus because the, uh, uh, the commandment is found in the 20th chapter in the book of Exodus. There are the, the, uh, the Ten Commandments. And sometimes when you're reading, uh, it's called the Decalogue, Deca for Ten, all right? And so verse 13 in chapter 20 gives the specific commandment, thou shalt not murder. But in some of the older translations, it has the word kill, but it's actually murder. It's the Hebrew word, ratzak. And it, it refers only to, and I have it written there for you, intentionally killing, slaying, or taking the life of a human being. It is a, considered a criminal action, specifically against another human being. Has nothing to do with killing a cow. All right? Now, there are people, you know, <laughs> right? There are all kinds of causes. But God has given us animals to eat. We read that in the book of Genesis. That's what he told Noah. He said, everything that creeps upon the face of the earth, I give to you for food. God said it, and that settles it, whether you believe it or not. You may have seen that uh, bumper sticker that says, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. No, that's incorrect. God said it, and that settles it. Whether you believe it or not, whether you accept it or not, God said it, that's it. You follow? Because his word is settled forever. But we are not to kill other people. Now, it does not apply to those who are in law enforcement in the sense of when they're carrying out their duties. There are different words for that. It doesn't, it doesn't uh, refer to those who are in military service and they're called upon to go to war. 
nor in self-defense. The person is defending himself or his family or some other person. And it does not apply to manslaughter. Manslaughter, a different word is used for that. And there's voluntary and involuntary manslaughter. But it also does apply when someone is committing a crime and in the commission of that crime, even though they didn't intend to kill someone, someone who springs upon them and they actually kill that person, that is considered murder. It's a different type of murder, but it is still murder because they were involved in a criminal action. Now, turn to 1 John chapter 3 and verse 15. 1 John, that's the epistle of John, uh, close to the book of uh, Revelation. 1 John chapter 3. I notice what he says here. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 15. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. All right, now I didn't write that. Okay? It's very important. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. That is a powerful statement, a powerful truth. What is Jesus teaching here? What is the Word of God teaching? We just mentioned a moment ago, what is the greatest commandment? To love, to love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and to love your neighbor. Now, don't be like Cain. Am I my brother's keeper? Who's my neighbor? Every human being on the face of the earth is your neighbor, and you are to love them. Doesn't mean you have to agree with them or like everything that they do. But you're still called upon them, upon uh, by God, to love them. Notice this next thing here. He says, oh, whoever is angry. Now, I need to, to, to qualify this here because Jesus qualifies it, actually. He says, angry with his brother. <coughs> So he's not speaking about everybody, but he's speaking very specifically about those within the family of God. Those within the family of God. But that's not to say that it's okay to just be angry and hateful toward people who are outside the family of God. That's not what he's saying either. But notice he does say brother. And it's with respect to those who are within the family. Notice that word, within the the family. Of all people, we're to be most loving and kind with one another. We are in the redeemed family of God. But this, this anger here, exasperation, wrath, which then can lead to becoming enraged. And what happens to a person when they become enraged? They lose control, don't they? They say things that they wish they could take back but can't, as the 
The proverb says, once the arrow is loosed, right, you can't bring it back. They lose control and they strike out violently. Next uh, slide there is a continuation. Now this word raka, raka, you read that and you wonder, well, what, what in the world does that mean? It's actually an Aramaic term. It's a verbal insult that uh, was used in, uh, in that time period. It was a vilification to vilify some, or to go so far as to declare that that person, person was worthless. Do you ever thought that of someone or said that of, of someone? Or maybe someone thought or said that of you. He's just a worthless. And we have to be careful as Christians because we have a tendency to say that about politicians, don't we? And, uh, and you know the the Bible, the Word of God, over in the writings of Timothy says that we're to pray for all of them. Never does it say we're to call them worthless. Because they're not worthless. They are someone for whom Christ died. The person says, well, you know, I struggle with that. Well, you may struggle with it, but you better get over your struggle. Ask God to help you to get over that struggle and pray for them, as well as pray for self. And then fool, fool. And the word that's actually used here can mean dull, stupid, absurd, a blockhead. Or, you know, my, I, I used to hear my mother say, say this, she'd say, flathead. <laughs> a flathead. <laughs> Foolish. But that word stupid, we were not allowed to say at home. That was like a, considered a curse word. Boy, I have five sisters, you know, and every now and then, uh, well, you can get irritated when you have five sisters. <laughs> and four of them were older than me, you know. But boy, don't call each other stupid. Unless you, you're, you know, you're cruising for a bruising, as they would say. <laughs> but notice he says, we're not to use these terms when, when referring to one another. And we certainly shouldn't call those within the family of God these names. Because you see, people who, who were trusting in Christ, and, and even today, people who believe in the Bible, what are they called? by the world. Fools. The world calls us fools. Actually, they, and, and, and another word that, that is, um, that's uh, closely related to this one is the word moron, right? So you say, that person's not very bright, they're a moron. You know, the elevator doesn't go all the way up on that one, okay? Or, you know, or the, you know, the porch lights on, but nobody's home kind of deal, right? You've heard all of those say. Not the, sh uh, the sharpest knife in the drawer. That's, that's how the world 
views Christians. And we believe in this old book, you know. And they say, well, you know, you know about those people who believe in the Bible, right? They're not, they're not really all there. So we shouldn't be saying this or characterizing one another with these terms. Because we're in the redeemed family of God, are we not? We're people within God's family who actually are supposed to know better because we have the word of God to instruct us. Now notice what he says. He says, in danger of the judgment, the judgment. And uh, the judgment can actually refer to a tribunal or a court, a system of justice, condemnation, damnation, and divine law. Remember that we, as God's children, are accountable to God's divine law. Never think for a moment that it's okay for us to break God's commandments. It is not. It is not. Jesus went to the cross because of our sin, breaking the commandments. But it's not the keeping of those list of do's and don'ts that gets us to heaven. We receive the gift of life, that gift, not something you work for. It is a gift by God's grace when we accept him as our Lord and Savior. By grace. And from that moment on, we are to seek to live according to God's standard of morality. This council. Actually, in the Greek, it's actually Sanhedrin. Because the Sanhedrin was the council at the time, made up of 70 men. It included the chief priest as the president, and other priests, and scribes, and Pharisees, and some aristocrats, if you will. And they had a tremendous amount of power. And you'll recall that at the mock trial of Jesus, he was brought before the Sanhedrin, the, the chief priests. They had authority, both civilly and religiously. And they heard cases, especially those regarding the breaking of the law. And then notice Jesus uses another term, hellfire. The Greek word Gehenna, which refers to a valley located on the southeast side of the city of Jerusalem, where they burned the rubbish. But also, sadly, where in the time of certain periods in the history of the Israelites, they sacrificed their children to false gods. Much like people are doing today with abortion the Valley of Hinnom. But metaphorically, symbolically, it refers to hell. Hell. But Jesus goes on. He doesn't stop there, but he goes on and he, and he talks about the giving of, of offerings. Therefore, if you bring your gift, notice a gift or offering, 
to the altar. And then you remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother. Now we read this and you think, well, you know, if you had your own church building, the table and such and everything would, would be in place all the time. But when you're talking about in Jesus' period of time, they're bringing a sacrificial animal. They may have walked two or three or five or ten miles to bring that animal for sacrifice. And what is he saying? Leave the animal, walk back that ten miles and make sure that you're right with your brother. Then come back. And then they got to walk back home. That's 40 miles. privilege of giving. Now over in 2 Corinthians it says uh, chapter 9 verse 7 it says God loves a cheerful giver. And actually in the Greek the word is hilarious. <coughs> Jumping up and down happy be, being able to give to God. The idea of giving to God the idea that, that you can give to God but we have to be honest in, in our giving that's what Jesus is talking about. Giving first, that is, giving the wonderful blessing of forgiveness and love to one another. Not, to just, not just to those who are, who are nice to us. You follow? We, we find it easy to be nice to people who are nice to us, right? <laughs> but how about those people who aren't nice? How about those people who are just downright rude and inconsiderate and disrespectful? Yeah, you ever met anybody like that? Maybe you live next to somebody like that. Maybe you live in between people on both sides like that and across the street as well. Oh, but we have to require, or, or rather acknowledge, an unforgiving heart, an impatient heart, a hateful heart. And we acknowledge, then we're to confess, and then we're to put feet to our prayers, right? And we're to demonstrate kindness. Kindness and patience. We don't like to do that. We'd rather set somebody straight. Isn't that right? We'd like to set them straight. Tell them how it is. And we make ourselves judge and jury. Do we not? But notice what he says. We're to be reconciled. He says, if your heart isn't right, then your offering is meaningless. Now most pastors would tell you, no, you, you bring that offering, okay? <laughs> There's always time after church to be right <laughs> No, what does the Lord say? He says, ensure that your heart is right with your fellow human being. Turn to 2 Corinthians. 
2 Corinthians in chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And beginning at verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For you made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Notice that? We're to be reconciled to God and to our fellow human beings. And how far are we supposed to go? How patient and how forgiving are we supposed to be? When was the last time you went all the way to the cross? You follow? All the way to the cross. On Wednesday night, we, we looked at at uh, some passages, and the Apostle Paul says, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ for following him. And I ask the question, where are your marks? Where are your credentials that demonstrate that you are a genuine Christian? And then over in Romans, it also we're encouraged to, to be reconciled. But he goes on. We need to move on here. Then he continues. Verse 25. Agree with your adversary quickly. Legal ramifications. Yes, we have a citizenship that is in heaven. Do we not? Yes. And that citizenship is an eternal one. But we also live here upon the earth. And we've, we've mentioned this before. You've heard the saying, well, he's so heavenly minded, he's of no earthly good. No. If you're really heavenly minded, then you're really going to be of tremendous worth here upon the earth. Because you're going to be a law-abiding citizen. A respectful citizen. A responsible citizen. A moral and honest citizen. As a matter of fact, over in Ephesians, he says, Now that you know Christ, those who stole should steal no more. Instead, they should labor and work. Being poor is never an excuse for stealing or robbing. But notice what he says. Take responsibility for your actions and your choices. Discuss options with creditors or legal authorities. Now I could ask, has anyone in here 
ever received a ticket? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, some of you never have. How about an accident? Have you ever been in an accident? Maybe it was your fault. Maybe it was somebody else's fault. Maybe you're fortunate you've never been in an accident. Now, I, I, I think I shared this once before with you. Uh, a few years ago, I was leaving from the university on my way home. And I was in my truck. And um, I came up to the, to the uh, stoplight you know, in the right-hand lane, ready to make a right-hand turn. And it was back when you, you had those, those flip cell phones, right? The flip phones. And I would always turn my phone off uh, when I was uh, teaching in, in the class. And um, so I was turning it on, and it was before, you know, the laws that you can't, you're not supposed to, you know, talk on your phone and all that kind of stuff. Well, I always kept it on vibrate, not on ring. And, but I had it, you know, all the way up. So here I'm at the stop sign, and I'm getting ready to turn, and I had it in my left hand, and all of a sudden, it comes on. And it, uh, it vibrated rather vigorously, okay? <laughs> and, and it caught me by surprise because I was turning. And so the phone uh, fell out of my hand. And, you know, just second nature, I went to grab it with my right hand. Well, so I took it my hand off the wheel. <laughs> In the middle of the turn, okay? And uh, so what happened? I... The, <laughs> <laughs> I hit the median in the, in the middle of the lane, you know, the concrete median that separates. <laughs> but you see, to the right there was a highway patrolman <laughs> with his lights on <laughs> and my truck's four-wheel. So I hit this, you know, this median, and I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> and he looks over, and he's, 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 he's doing this for me to pull over, you know. So I'm thinking, oh, my. So, I, so I, I pull over, and, you know, I'm, I'm praying and talking about this, you know, with the Lord. And I'm thinking, I, this, this is just unbelievable. But I said, you know. <laughs> so I, I sit there, and I knew enough to know that I should keep both of my hands on the wheel. Okay? So he comes up really cautiously, and he says, how's it going in there? I said, well, not very well. <laughs> so then he, he comes up a little closer and he says, where are you coming from? I said, well, I'm, I'm coming from the university. So he, he walks up a little closer and he says, and, and what do you do at the university? I said, well, I'm one of the teachers at the university. <laughs> so then he comes up to the window and he says, and what do you teach? I said, well, I teach religion. <laughs> and he, he says, and are you praying that you don't get into an accident? <laughs> He says, okay, what happened, you know? So then I explained to him. He says, all right, let me have your license, insurance, and registration, all of that. So I'm, you know, I'm sitting there, and of course, praying, thinking, now, maybe he won't give me a ticket. <laughs> he comes up, and he says, now, you know, I could give you a ticket for this, right? And I said, yes, and you'd be right in doing so. And he says, look, next time, just leave the phone alone. Pay attention to your driving. Have a pleasant night, and drive safe. Okay? Well, now, what would have happened if I would have displayed some kind of an attitude? 
You follow? You see, as Christians, Christians, we're supposed to respect the law. You may disagree with the law, but you're supposed to respect it. Romans chapter 13. The laws, the governments that are in place have been ordained by God. And we are supposed to respect them. For in doing so, we are honoring God. I heard another story. This was, I don't know if you know who Greg Laurie is. He, uh, he pastors a huge church over in, uh, in Southern California. He said he, he was having a real difficult day and he got on the freeway and he was driving, you know, and uh, he got pulled over. And he was agitated because he was on his way to some important meeting. And so the police officer was, was speaking to him and he was telling him, well, just go ahead and write the ticket because I'm in a hurry, <laughs> you know. And the police officer said, now, do you know what you need? You need to know Jesus as your son. <laughs> 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 he told that story in one of his sermons. Now, we are supposed to be model citizens. Agree on terms and then fulfill your commitments. Notice that failure may result with incarceration or heavy penalties. We are supposed to manage our affairs in a way that honors God. Let's go to the last point here. What is Jesus teaching us in this portion of the sermon? Number one, sin is a heart condition. Amen? It is a heart condition. Someone has said, God is the surgeon and the Bible is the scalpel. Notice that? And you can check that out in Hebrews. Because it says the Bible is sharper than any two-edged sword, right? Dividing to the bones and the marrow. All you have to do is open the book and read it. And it'll show you where you're out of place. Amen? Secondly, hatred or selfish anger is a sin. And we need to confess it and forsake it. Over in 1 John, he says, if we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we're to be reconciled with God and with one another. Do you know it is wrong for a Christian to hold a grudge? You are not to hold grudges. Yes, now there is, there is a, a, you know, there are causes which make people angry. As Jesus said, to be angry without a cause. There are causes, uh, but never to allow that anger to develop into hatred and rage and vengeance and I'm going to get even. I'm going to make sure I can give them what they deserve. No. Now notice, there are real consequences for a hardened, unforgiving heart. You can read there in Matthew 6, 15, where the Lord says, you refuse to forgive others? Don't expect God to forgive you. So effectively manage your legal and financial obligations. Effectively manage 
your life. We're going to sing a hymn of invitational. Jesus, I come. Maybe you've been holding a grudge against someone. Now, I will say this over in the book of, uh, of Romans there. There is a passage, and I, I wrote it down for you here. Let me make sure I give that to you, because uh, about 1218, 1218, it says, as much as lies within you, as much as it's humanly possible, you make the effort to be reconciled to people. But there are just some people who will not be reconciled. You follow? You can bend over backwards. Buddy, they're not going to give in. For whatever reason. But you've done your part. You've reached out. You've extended the olive branch, so to speak. They reject it and throw it back in your face. You're not responsible for the way that they act, but for the way that you act and what you hold in your heart. All right? So let's stand, please, and let's sing. And as the Lord leads you, you make your commitment to him today. We pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word. And we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.